0: Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Marina Sky, Louis Carr is an author, the founder of Waymaker, and the president of media sales at BET Networks. Today, we're joined by Marina Sky, better known as Sets by Sky. Marina is a creative director and set director who has worked with names like Jimmy Kimmel, 21 Savage and SZA. Today, she'll discuss her decorated career and how she got her start in the industry. Let's get started.
1: Hi, I am Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker, and today on the Waymaker Fireside Channel, we have the privilege of having Marina Skye from Sex by Skye. How you doing, Skye?
2: I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. We're so happy to have you because of what you do and the impact that you had on the industry. Now, you've done sets for everybody, from Jimmy Kimmel to SZA to 21 Savage to Young Dolph. I mean, you know, you have really been busy uh, <laughs> in your career. So yeah. tell us. When did set design sort of get on your mind? You know, how how did that start? I mean, you know, set design, usually fashion design, I can hear that, Mm -hmm. you know, but set design is is a different thing. So what age, where, how, take us back. Okay. I mean, yeah, it is,
2: to your point, it is very niche. Um, I kind of stumbled into this as a beautiful passion um, but I think elements of it have always been a part of who I am and they were just kind of showing themselves in different places um, but if I'm to take us back uh, it basically started right after college for me so I went to, I'm from Los Angeles originally and then I moved to Atlanta to go to Clark Atlanta University um, and then after graduation I stayed in Atlanta. I didn't really know what I wanted to do I knew I was creative, but I didn't know what that was supposed to mean for me specifically. Um, And so I was doing marketing for Ikea for a while. And during that job, um, the job was great. It was easy, but it wasn't like the passion of mine. And so I was trying to figure out what to do in the meantime. Um, And then, you know, actually, unfortunately, tragedy struck and my brother was actually shot and killed. And his passing was really like the catalyst for me kind of taking this like very introspective look um, and deep dive into like what I really wanted to do because people always say like, you know, when tragedy strikes, um, you have all of these like realizations, you know, life is too short and all of these things, but that's truly what happened to me. I, he passed away and it was very untimely and it really had me sitting and thinking like, well, like, what am I doing with my time? What do I want to do to make a difference? Um, so I actually ended up quitting my job at the time I took I was working off of savings um, and did free work for a year and a half. I literally did free photo shoots, free video shoots, free anything creative that I could build a set with, I was just doing free. Um, uh, before that, I so I quit my job and I basically wrote down a list of the things that I felt I could make money doing um. And clothing, fashion was one of those. So I started a clothing line. And the clothing line was in essence the the space that pushed me into set design because I was doing trade shows. And when I would do my trade shows, I was starting to realize I was making my booth look very different than everyone else's. Um, And I was no longer paying attention to the clothing at all. It was all about the aesthetic, the background, the environment, how I'm making people feel um and so after a couple of months of doing that and realizing my focus was truly on this it was like shifting a bit um I started to do some research and realized that that was creative direction that then led to set design I was like okay well I mean I like both of these concepts let's just see what happens with this um and so then I did free work for a year and a half asking my friends who were in production if I could you know, tag along making things on their sets. And then I have a best friend who's a photographer and he would pick up the camera at the same time. I realized I wanted to do this and we would do photo shoots in my, my apartment, in my living room. I would make sets in my bedroom, like any space that I could utilize. Um, because we didn't have the money at the time or the resources to rent a studio. So I was like finding props at thrift stores and painting them or repurposing them. And then Making mini sets in my apartment and God bless my roommates at the time for allowing me to use our space as a walking studio. Um, but the projects that I picked up in that time frame of that year and a half was really my almost like my internship. Um, that was me gaining this hands-on experience because my, my like training in school was not for set design, architectural, graphic design, any of that. So I really had to figure it out all on my own. So what was your degree in? So I have a, a degree in public relations with a minor um, in US history and mass media.
1: Okay, great. So yeah. now, 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 now Scott, I'm not gonna ask your age, but something that you said that really says old school, mm-hmm. you said you worked for free. I did. Yeah. Now, you know that's that's an old school <laughs> thing. All right. You work for free to gain the experience. So a lot of people out there would go like, well, she she, she gotta be old because nobody <laughs> young trying to do nothing for free. All right. Uh, at 13, I want to be paid. Okay. So, so where did you get that mindset and be willing to make that sacrifice to say, hey, I just want the experience. So I'll work for free to get the experience. Talk to that for a second.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever I've never had an issue like putting myself out there, taking the risk. I think um I'm I'm very blessed to have been raised with family members, my mom, my grandparents who um who allowed me to just truly be who I am, but also told me to make sure to walk in confidence and have this balance of confidence versus being humble. And I think the element of being humble is kind of where that lies. Um, Because, I mean, you're never gonna go anywhere if you assume that you know everything and then you need, or the person who's giving this job to you needs you. Um, It's quite the opposite, actually. There are thousands of people that do the same work um, you're just one of them, you know? And so I think I've just, I've always had this mindset of like, if I've always been inquisitive, um, and I have always had this, like, at point, one point, maybe, at times, probably just like delusional, um, just, I think it's just like a delusional inquisitiveness. Like I will try it. Whatever it is, if it's something that I feel like could better me or I could learn from, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't matter if it pays me or not. To this day, I will I truly don't um I don't really care about like the the budget of a project. I'm in a space where like I I want to make sure that it feeds my soul and it needs to make sense. Is it something that's going to have a positive impact um, on something, on the creative world, on, you know, Black women, on the music industry, um, those are the things that are important, and so I think that element of, like, yeah, I just have never been afraid to do, to get my hands dirty, ever, even as a kid, I I was a tomboy who was, like, climbing trees and stuff like that, and (laughs) skipping rocks, like, I've always just been this, it, nothing's too, I'm not too good for anything type of person.
1: So, where did you get the, so you, you, you got the experience, and then you said, okay, uh, I, can, I can do this. Why did you decide, I want to start my own business versus going to work for a firm or somebody else, which you clearly probably could have got those type of jobs, but mm-hmm. you wanted to have your own business. Where did that courage, confidence come from that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to launch out and do my own thing?
2: The funny thing is, I don't think for a second I have ever, to this day, thought about doing this for another company, ever. It wasn't even, it's never been a thought of mine. It was always like, I'm just going to figure it out. And it made sense. Like my first big project, the amount of money it, I had to like create a business account for it. And so I was, it was just like by default. It's like, well, I guess I'm starting a business now. Cool. Let's see what that looks like. And it's just been like, you know, trial and error from there. But um, yeah, the idea to to do this under someone else was just never, it's never something I thought about. My, I think my idea has always been, I want to be able to create these ideas, have these ideas, take them, create them in real life. Um, without any limits and I want to be able to make be the decision maker and allowing and helping other people to do the same thing so bringing other production assistants other production designers into the fold to assist Um, but I think in my mind I always felt like you know I might have I might come into roadblocks if I was working under a big company so why not just start my own sure let's see what happens you know
1: so, so when I interview people like you, and I say you know, they've they made sets for the, the Jimmy Kimmel Show, or SZA, or Wally, or Young Dog, the first question that people I know said, well, Lois, you didn't ask them, well, how did you get to work with uh, Wally? Or, how did you get to work with SZA? And they like she mm-hmm. he was walking down the street and said, oh, that's SZA. <laughs> Let me see if I build a set for her, all right? So, <laughs> Who was your first sort of big celebrity and how did that relationship happen? And then how did you build upon that?
2: Yeah. Um, so after the year and a half of free work, I got my first big project, which was the, designing a multi-level nightclub in Atlanta. It was called Club Daydreams. And at the time, I was completely and utterly obsessed with all of these um, experience and like nightlife subcultures that are happening that happen in Tokyo um and so like you know you can walk down the street and you'll go to a restaurant that is themed like a jail and so you're like eating out of a toilet or something ridiculous but there are there are so many different facets of that as a creative concept I was like so enthralled with that this um the owner of this club came to me asked me to design it and so I ended up designing that nightclub. Um, to be a mixed world between like Alice in Wonderland and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So like there were clouds that changed colors on the ceiling and bar stools that were mushrooms and all these crazy things. But that, that club was the first club ever in Atlanta to be themed like that. And it caught a lot of attention. Um, and so it, that, it thus caught the attention of TI. And at the time TI was um, considering doing this pop-up museum um based upon southern hip-hop and i was like okay cool that's amazing i've been in atlanta for long enough i also have a different perspective because i'm from la so i can i can figure out how to beautifully blend you know west rap versus in south rap blah 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 um well that ended up being the trap music museum and so that was my first big project um and that project was so crazy because we were that was a three-month project we worked seven days a week like I'd say like maybe 12 to 15 hours a day. Um, And we were so dedicated and in it that Tip would just walk in casually with like a group of people and a cameraman at like one in the morning and it would be like C-Span. And we had no idea that we were just kind of living our worlds, creating these sets and all this stuff um, and the history was happening while we were building it and we just had absolutely no idea so that was my first big big project and then that project led to the 21 savage that got me the cleo award and in, in rolling stone and then that led me to Jadena, and just the list kind of went from there
1: so how does your creative brain work so when you decide to take on an assignment mm-hmm. do you know in your mind, what you want it to look like? Or do you need to see the space? First? Do you need to walk in and walk the space and feel it and look out into the audience? How does that work for you?
2: It's a little bit of both. Um, typically, a client will come to me with a general idea. Um, I do a really good job of taking that initial that initial idea and then kind of building the world around that um, eventually I need to see the space, at least know the dimensions, see how big it is, see how many, how much we're going to fill. Um, but that doesn't have to be the first thing. I mean, the, the beginning of the process is really just coming up with the general concept. Um, and then the client basically telling me how big to dream or I dream big and then they roll me back in. Um, and then, you know, eventually, yeah, I go and see the space and, see how much of that dream we can fit in it.
1: So <laughs> when, if someone says, you know, Sky, what is your superpower? Mm. Oh, hmm What I'm would you a, say is your
2: superpower? I'm a mood magician. A mood magic- magician? A mood magician, yeah.
1: Okay, I, you know you I, got to give us more on that, all right. That's, <laughs> I, I love that, I love that title, all right, but you know, what does that so what mean? What does that mean? <laughs> um,
2: I, God has blessed me with the ability to um, create spaces that can make you feel anything. It could, you can, it can make you feel small. It could make you feel, um, you know, warm, happy, fuzzy, scared. Um, this is literally the core of what I, that's where I start with, like, what is the feeling? How do I want people to feel when they walk into this space? If it's a stage for tour, how do I want the crowd to feel? Do I want them to feel this individually or as a collective, or does it vary by the song on the set list? Um, but the, I want feel, I want emotion to be evoked, whether that is good or bad or indifferent, um, That's the beginning of it.
1: What's the best advice someone has ever given you?
2: Mm. To try and be present, just to be present, figure out what that looks like and feels like for you. Um, I think for so long, the beginning of me building this business and this brand, I was always thinking like seven steps ahead. And so even when I would like be doing a project, I wasn't even really. I didn't even give myself the time to be um, excited in it because I'll be literally creating a set, but be thinking about the fourth set after this one. Um, and so me looking back on like the first part of this journey, cause I know it's not done yet, but I wish that I would have been a little bit more present for the projects because there have been some really beautiful things that I've been a part of, but I was like thinking of something else. Um, so I think the, most important piece of advice that someone has given me is to work on figuring out how to be present whatever that looks like for you
1: yeah so here's a, a personal question that's been on mm-hmm. my mind yeah why not interior design why did you sort of like <laughs> jump that like, like I, know, nah, I that's too small
2: <laughs> I've done a couple of interior design projects and they were a lot of fun I did I built a um a creative space for Rockstar in Atlanta about a year and a half ago. That was so much fun. Um, Rockstar Energy Drink. Um, I think I am the most happy with my work when it has the ability to be seen or felt by the masses. Um, And so I will, every once in a while, I will do one-off projects for, you know, friends or like clients that really like, you know, speak to me if it's an interior design project but there's something that I feel when I'm like standing in the corner of the stage watching the audience react to a certain part of you know an artist performing with a set um or just the general experience of a live show or watching because there are so many activations that I've done golf included where like I would just sit in a corner of one of the rooms and just watch people interact with things. And this also helps me because I get to see in real time and with no filter, like what people do and don't like. Um, but I, I think I love the, the fact that people who may not know each other, have never met, will never see each other again, can come into a space and feel something together wh- no matter what it is.
1: So what's next? You know, you, you've done a lot. <laughs> what, what you got coming up? What's,
2: what's the I next know. big project? Next big project. Um, I am working on some stage designs for some artists that are going on tour soon. Um, one of them has Jadenas G- G- has been released, so working on Jadenas G- stage design and experience, um, what that looks like. Um, The others have not released their tour dates yet. So I have to keep those hushed for now, but I will definitely let you know once they, once they drop. Um, And I am going to be opening up a prop shop soon. I'm very excited about that. Very excited. Yeah. um, There are no black owned prop shops in Atlanta. There are no black female prop shops in the state of Georgia. Um, And so I have been thinking about the general trajectory of my career and what, what is next, what makes sense. Um, and I really wanna be able to create a, a space for young creatives to you know, go and play around in and grab things and be creative, whether you're a photographer, a model, an upcoming set designer, um, a movie producer. I think a prop shop is something that Atlanta definitely needs. And so that is, um, that's something I'm working on. Hopefully by this time next year, our doors will be open.
1: And for the high school uh, student who is listening to this, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them if they want to grow up and be like you, Sky?
2: Oh, man. I would tell them to... to all the, the crazy ideas that people think are just like out of this world. Um, to write them down, keep them in a journal, and those are going to be references for them when they get older. Um, there are so many ideas that I like come up with in the middle of the night, or you know, I'll have random conversations and things will just pop in my mind, and they'll just be like absolutely insane. Um, but I take notes of these things, and then those things end up being a part of sets later on. Um, so, I think the piece of advice that I would give is to not ever like count anything out. Um, everything, anything, really anything is possible. Yeah.
1: And final question for you. Mm-hmm. We at Waymaker think that every successful person has had at least one Waymaker. Mm-hmm. Who has been some of the Waymakers in Sky's life?
2: I would definitely say my family to start off because, um, like, I come from a very creative family, and as you said in the beginning of this conversation, like set design is not the typical profession at all, and so literally it's taken my my grandma still kind of like doesn't understand what I do Uh, (laughs) like to this day. And for so long, I couldn't explain to them what I was doing. They would just know I'd be up at all hours of the night, coming home at crazy hours, doing random things. And they'd be like, I support you. I don't really know what's happening, but we believe you, we love you, and we support you. Um, but yeah, my family has always, always been supportive of me throughout this whole journey of me figuring out what this is. Because essentially my, what I do is three, kind of three jobs in one. It's a set designer, a creative director, an art director, um, and then an interior designer every once in a while. Um, so figuring out how to make this one job out of multiple jobs has been a journey. Um, but yeah, they have always supported me with that. Um, and yeah, I I really would just like them individually, like my grandmother has her set of like characteristics that have always, like I've always been inspired by my mom is the same way um so definitely my family That's yeah and right. then if I had people that I know if I had to say people that I do not know but I hope I am able to meet soon um the absolutely amazing Ruth Carter um is a huge inspiration for me um the she has paved ways for herself and others that are just like incredible and she's in it with such style and grace um, and then there's an amazing, amazing experienced designer um, and set designer by the name of Ez Devlin. Um, she's based in the UK. And she was the first female set designer I'd ever known or heard of. Um, and she continues to like just pave the way about for experience and and keeping things, she has an amazing way of balancing like traditional creativity and then including tech in that. Um, and so I love that, too. So they are also very big inspirations for me.
1: Well, Scott, congratulations on the journey so far. Thank uh, you we so much. do the best. Uh, thank you for participating in, in this podcast. And so we look forward to uh, our audience reading about you in Waymaker Journal. So thank Yay. you so much.
2: For Absolutely. Congratulations on Waymaker. That is incredible. Incredible. Thank and you. Great come a long way and since the beginning of the pandemic, which is honestly not that far away from now. So congratulations to you and your team.
0: Thank you so much, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Marina Skye. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com subscribe to the waymaker fireside chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode